0: Thank you for listening to Standing Before the Mask podcast with Chris Heaton. Please be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You may also connect directly at chrisheaton.substack.com.
1: Hey folks, how's it going? In this episode, I talk with Wilhelm Sherman aboard the sailing vessel CAT, that's spelled K-A-T. CAT is a unique, custom-designed 80-foot catch that belongs to the Sherman family of Brazil. The Sherman family set sail in 1984 and became the first Brazilian family to circumnavigate the world. The design and build of CAT is the culmination of that initial voyage and others on previous boats the family has owned. Our talk begins with a tour of the boat and Wilhelm highlighting many of the unique design features. CAT serves as a floating platform for Voice of the Oceans. Voice of the Oceans is part of the Sherman Family Initiative in partnership with the UN. Their goal is to document and highlight the problem with plastics in the oceans, particularly single-use plastics, and work to find alternative solutions at the source. They host scientists and researchers aboard on segments of their voyages. Cat was designed and built to have the least amount of impact on the environment as she travels. As we learned through our tour of the boat, Wilhelm points out their onboard trash compactor, glass crusher, and a marine sanitation system that rivals and sometimes outperforms municipal systems. After the tour, Wilhelm and I sat down in the main salon table and talked about the history of the family's sailing adventures on previous boats and the mission of Voice of the Oceans. We get to hear a bit about Wilhelm's background, When I first met him aboard at the uh, Newport International Boat Show, I assumed he had an engineering background as he explained all the systems and what went into their development. Turns out, he's not an engineer by trade, but a professional athlete, a five-time Brazilian overall champion in windsurfing. But one thing is for certain, he knows every aspect of all the systems inside and out. While here in Newport for the boat show, they also participated in a beach cleanup with Clean Ocean Access. They've since left Newport and I believe are now in Bermuda. You can learn more about CAT, the crew, their mission, and follow along at voiceoftheoceans.com. And I'll be back at the end with a book recommendation and a few other thoughts and musings. I hope you enjoy.
2: Thank you for having me aboard. Hey, it's a pleasure, Chris. Welcome aboard, CAT. Uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, I know you've been here uh, during the boat show, and uh, it'll be great. I'll show you a little bit more around.
1: Sure, thank you. So we're, we're headed aft now on the
2: Yeah, so deck. this part of the aft is where uh, we have all our uh, sustainable energy, where it comes from, so we have our solar panels, uh, we have our wind generators, we have hydro generators, you can see them here. They actually st- usually stay here on the back. We took them out now because we stopped, but we have two hydro generators. They can g- generate up to 12 to 13 amps in uh, uh, 24 volts each one, so they're really good. Uh, we back here also. We have our green um, vegetable gardens. Well, uh, mostly spice garden, which is very unique. You don't see yeah. that a lot on boats. Uh, a lot of people, because it has a dome to protect from the rain and the seawater, uh, it stays protected. And and there's kind of like a, a shade uh, that protects from the sunlight, not to hit directly. So a lot of people actually see it from far away, and they actually think it's a barbecue because it's, uh, <laughs> it's a Brazilian boat. Is you know they have two barbecues, but no, it's our green our organic vegetable garden, which is is really nice. Is that a smiley face on it? That's a smiley face. That's the one Erica. Erica is our cook aboard, and she's she's my partner. She's been aboard with us for uh, six years now. And she saw the, the, you know, this, and she said, Oh, I need to definitely need a smiley face because, <laughs> you know, it, it looks like a dome and there's a little ears you can see on right. the side. So, yeah. And it works really well. I mean, we've been to Antarctica and the boat was covered in snow and we would open that up and take spices really? and make pizza, fresh pizza. Yeah. So, oh, so it has, it, it has worked incredibly. It has a small uh, solar panel with a little, uh, yep. vent on the top with a, you know, so you get, um, yeah, a lot solar of vent, sure. Solar vent. So yeah, it's, a uh, And this whole framework
1: holds your tender yes
2: so this whole structure on the back we didn't want something that would be uh really big and you know kind of take out the line of the boat Mm -hmm. because the the um, uh the designer of the boat nestor volker he's a racer and he likes a really nice line on the boat so we didn't want something too grotesque on the back right so we did this and it and and i actually i think it, it came out really nice with the design of the boat so we can lift hydraulically the dinghy Uh, In and out, basically Mm -hmm. every night when we're in Anchorage, we lift the dinghy out so you don't have any barnacles, you know, for security. Uh, So it's very easy, just a touch of a button, we're able to put the dinghy up and down. Great. Yeah, and then back here, we have our uh, lazarette where we fit, basically, we have uh, 10 diving tanks. We have diving compressors, Uh, so we carry a lot of, uh, you know, we we do a lot of underwater filming Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, and then we have all the, you know, stand-up uh, pedals and and we keep all the uh, lines, ropes, um, uh, spare uh, spare equipment all back here. So there's quite a lot of uh, storage. And also we have two uh, stainless steel containers that are completely uh, closed and they have a um, uh, trapdoor on the top and then there's a... Uh, uh, discharge that goes out through a hose straight mm-hmm. to uh, the outside of the hole and that's where we keep our uh, propane gas we have three yep. propane bottles and on the other side we keep uh, three tanks of uh, uh, gasoline for the dinghy so mm. it's uh, so it's vented yeah, yeah. so it's vented, vented out. Yeah. hopefully in the future we will be you know we, we definitely want to look into the electric engines that they're right. building now which is, is incredible we saw some here uh, at the boat show it was incredible right I'm seeing a lot
1: of stainless steel. Uh, tell me about the construction.
2: Yeah, so when we built uh, CAD, uh, this was back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a two-year project. Uh, this is um, my parents, I think, fifth or sixth boat, but they never had built a boat before. Uh, the first trip they did and the second trip they did was on a 50-foot steel boat. Uh, we still own that boat, and it's it's being refitted, and the idea is it turns into a, basically um, uh, like a school Uh, educational program in the coast of Brazil with that boat and so when they called me uh, they said look we're gonna build a new boat you want to you know help uh, on the construction I ended up coming in and supervising all the construction from the beginning to the end it was an incredible job it was a two year and a half project and we had a kind of a deadline because we needed to put the boat on the water and start which was our previous expedition it was called the Orient expedition and so it was it was kind of crazy Um, we had the sponsors basically to do the expedition and to build a boat Mm -hmm. but not the dream boat right and we wanted to build the dream boat so we started partnering with a lot of companies and we ended up having 42 official suppliers wow so we managed to build the dream boat with a cost which was very low and Mm. uh, you know stay in our budget and be able to do the expedition so the hull is all made of steel Mm -hmm. uh, naval steel uh, age 32 and all the top is uh, 316L stainless steel. Wow. So all the deck is stainless steel. Uh, that's why you see a lot of stainless right. steel, the, the devs as well, uh, because we had this company that partnered with us, so they gave us all the stainless steel. Uh, we had the engine as well. They came in, uh, Volvo Penta gave us the two engines. Uh, all the lines and the ropes, the rigging is, uh, it's a company in Brazil called uh, CSL. They make uh, you know, all Spectra uh, mm-hmm. Dyneema ropes, and uh, so they supplied all the ropes for us. So it was, in the end, we managed to really get the cost down and we really felt like we built the boat that we wanted. Right. And of course, you always do little changes. She, yeah. Yeah. And uh, which we have done for this expedition, we did a few uh, upgrades, and we're really happy about it.
1: And she obviously she's a catch rig. What's her displacement?
2: Yeah. So she's a catch rig. Uh, she we are 80 when we are filled up, we are 86 tons. Wow. Uh, if we we're light, we we're about 70. I'll say 78, mm-hmm. 76 uh, tons, uh, and the, the reason we went for catch and not a sloop is because our previous boat as well, we were we had two masts on it, and we wanted something. Especially in the high latitudes, you know, if, if we get really strong winds, we didn't want to have to deal with a big main, so right. we just lower the main. We have three reefs on the mizzen, so we can keep that on the third reef. And, and then we have, you know, two uh, furling sails, uh, the genoa and, uh, and, the, and the jib uh, in front. So mm-hmm. when it's really windy, like 40 to 50 knots, we just have the third reef on the, on the mizzen, and then we have uh, the, the jib out, and we, we can cruise around 10 knots, which is really nice. Wow, Nice. Shall yeah. you go forward sure. yeah so as we go here we have our life uh, life rest we have two um two life reps so eight people each right uh and then we have two double uh twin uh steering stations helm stations yeah. yeah helm stations and uh and just because of you know it's easier to be either in one side or or the other especially with the mizzen here on the on the middle uh then we have uh, the cockpit is really nice we have a really nice area on the cockpit you know if, if you feel really protected because it's down low so even mm-hmm. in really strong storm It's fairly dry in here, especially with the Bimini. Right. Um, we did encounter a storm uh, a couple years back. We were taking the boat to Malvinas uh, Falkland mm-hmm. and it was just Eric and I. And it was uh, about a ten, 10 day trip. And just as we were about to get close to, um, to Falklands Malvinas, there was a front coming, we couldn't make it. We were 50 miles out and we got hit with force 12 winds. Wow. Uh, and it was 84 knots of wind. It was really nasty. We had waves of 10 meters, which is like, you know, 45 feet, 50 right. feet. And one of the waves actually crashed on top of the bimini and it ripped the whole bimini apart. And this stainless steel that you see, these bars, curved bars, yeah. they are super strong. They bend like toothpicks. They just oh, went like geez. 90 degrees. Yeah. So it was one of those storms that you say, okay, you know, once in a lifetime and... We, we were 50 miles out, and it took us three days to actually wow. do the 50 miles and arrive in uh, Port Stanley. And when we arrived there, the port captain, who became a good friend, he said, Well, I've been here since 82, and I only saw another you know storm like that uh, twice in my life. Ah. Because usually they move. It's sort of like here. When the front right. comes, they move. It's a couple of hours, and they go through. Right and that one just stood on top of the island Uh and just bashing you know with the wind died a little bit after on the first day from 84 it started going to 60 knots and then stayed between 50 60 uh which was a little bit better but still you know we just we just had to wait the weather to to settle unreal
1: now i think when i was on last time not not this Dodger, but below your Dexalon windows were very highly rated in terms of for impact. Correct? Yes. Yeah.
2: The, this was as uh, as well as another company that partnership uh, with us is a Brazilian company. They were they were kind of small. And uh, they were making, um, you know, mostly for power boats and small sailing boats. And they said, look, we want to build, you know, this special window. We said, well, we need something that's really strong. Right. And uh, so she's actually 10 millimeters with a layer, a special layer in between. And then 10 millimeters is basically almost bulletproof. Uh, And, yeah, so they installed it. And now the company is one of the major players in Brazil in the industry, uh, you know, uh, supplying for all all kinds of boats, which is really fantastic. Uh, So we're really happy about it. Fantastic. Yeah. And then, as we come down on the stairs here, um, the first thing that actually you see on on CAT that is a little bit different from other boats, it's right in the middle of the saloon. You have this box, right, that Mm -hmm. kind of divides a little bit. So from the navigation table, you cannot see the other side. And most boats don't have this. But this is actually our lifting our lifting keel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, for us, it's a big, big um, uh, it's one of, I think the most important features on sailing vessel cat because we wanted a boat. I mean, we are 80 feet. And we wanted a boat that we could basically go in shallow waters as well. Right. Uh, so if we had a, you know, our draft, we, if it was a fixed draft, we would have been with 17 feet. So huh? when the keel is down, yeah. it's 17 feet. So wouldn't be able to go in most places. Right. Uh, and on the end of the keel, we have a bulb that is uh, 14 tons of lead. Uh, it looks like a, t- a torpedo. Mm-hmm. And and our keel is actually a lifting keel with two hydraulic cylinder. So this box is where the keel stays in when she's lifted up right and she's not a swinging kill she just lifts up sort of like a um a, yeah you know, like yeah like yeah. a, a dagger board yeah. from an optimist yeah. uh and it was an incredible project because we at the time we didn't uh, I mean to make one it was either Caribone in Italy or there's one player here in the US and New Zealand and they were uh, astronomical. We did a quote and it was like almost a million euro. Oh, and geez. we said, Man, we don't <laughs> we don't have that amount So we, we partnered because the designer of the boat, Volker, he did the all the design, but not the mechanism. He said, no, this is something I, I won't do. Mm. So we talked to a friend who's Horacio Carabelli. He's now one of the lead engineers in Prada team on the American's Cup. All right. And he, he was right in between events and he said, look, I'll, I'll take a look and see what I can do. And he was incredible. He did wow. all the drawings. So, and together with the professors from Senai, which is a technical institute, Uh, We build it in where we're actually building the boat on the same town, Itajaí, where is the Mm. ocean race stopover. That's right. And we build the whole keel and the whole system there. And it's incredible. When we have the keel up, we stay with seven feet of draft. So, you know, we uh, we went to, for example, the Bahamas. We went to the Exumas. People Mm. said, ah, you won't be able to sail in there. And we sailed everywhere. It was unbelievable. And she
1: sails well with the board up. Uh, somewhat we, well mm, we yeah.
2: tend not to sail too much when the board is up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know she can by the, all the uh, calculations she can um, uh, basically uh, you can get up to 30 knots of wind mm-hmm. and still have all the sails out and you would be okay but we don't you no, know you we don't want to risk it we don't no. have it all the way up or all the way down right uh, and we do have twin rudders on the back mm-hmm. and these twin rudders are all reinforced with a skeg. so she was made design that if the tide for example you're in a beach and the tide goes down mm. she'll stay as a tripod she won't, ah, yeah, so won't tip over won't yeah. tip over so when we go to the dry dock it's really nice because we just you know the travel lift lets the belt goes and then they they want to put all these things on the side to yeah. hold the boat and said, no, it's fine. You don't need to. Right. And they're like, no, you sure? I said, yep. And she just, you know, leans on the two skags on the two reinforced skags wow. and on the keel, on the bulb. And she stays there. And then you can basically, all you need is a small step because you have seven feet, sure. you know, to, to clean the, yeah, yeah. the boat and paint. So yeah, it makes it very convenient. Wow. And then if we right here next to the, uh, keel box, we have the, our navigation table. Um, starboard here. Yeah. yeah. So on the, on the, <laughs> on the starboard side uh, we really happy with the navigation table as well because we when we build cat we thought a lot of not only about the the part of the um, uh, sustainability but also the redundancy Mm -hmm. this was back in 2012 so we when we were building the boat we wanted you know not to Okay, we are somewhere like in Antarctica, and then you have a you know an engine failure, or if you have a uh, you know electronic failure, autopilot. We didn't want that, so we basically have a lot of redundancy. So we have two autopilots, uh, we have twin engines, we have uh, two genset. Even though you know we do have all Mm -hmm. our sustainable energy, but we still have that in case you have to run the water making things like that. So we're really happy with that. that. No, it's, it's all that's all right. right. Yeah, it'll be all right. It's atmospheric. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then uh, here on the navigation table we have something that we implemented for this expedition. So it was a, we did a seven months refit. And one of the thing is we change all our batteries to lithium batteries mm-hmm. uh so we have uh, separate banks we decided not to have the same bank for the inverter and our house bank mm-hmm. so we have separate bank one is for the inverter and one is for the house bank they're completely separate each one of them is 800 amps and 24 volts so that gives a, uh, give us a lot of redundancy and then we have our energy monitoring system and we can monitor basically monitor everything from that touchscreen uh, pad that you see wow. on the corner. And it tells you how much we are consuming. For example, now we're in shore power. We can see how much we're consuming, uh, how much we're producing. So that uh, makes it very convenient. And that's custom
1: designed for that's the boat? That's
2: custom is design. That's a company in Brazil. They are one of the biggest electric companies. Uh, um, manufacturer of electric engines, mm. huge engines for turbines, for, sure. you know, hydroelectrics, And they came in, they partnered with us and they did the whole design. It w- it was, uh, it looks very sleek, but to mm. pass all the wiring, you know, for oh monitoring yeah. all these, because you have to put shunts on all the, uh, it was a little bit of a nightmare, but we managed to get it, uh, get it through. Uh, and then we have uh, the, um, uh, the, jo- uh, the control for the engines as well in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, of course, you have it outside, but you can also control the engines from in here. And then you have a joystick because since the boat is uh, hydraulic steering, mm-hmm. we can just steer with the hydraulic if we want to. And, you know, so in case of uh, something, you want to be in here and you can right. actually steer the boat. As, uh, as you can see, if you're standing up, you can mm-hmm. have a view of 180 degrees, which is really nice. Yep. Uh, so, you know, it's quite, uh, quite nice. Um, and then we come down here. Most boats, uh, you know, they always have that problem when you come down f- outside from, you know, fall weather with the fall wet, weather gear all wet. Wet, yeah. So we have right on the entrance, we have this closet that we keep all our fall weather gear. And it's actually um fiberglass box mm-hmm. and it has a drain to, uh, you know, collecting small box, a uh, yep. small uh, collecting box that after it pumps out. So it's really nice. So we keep it everything in here, uh, and s- we are able to put a heater as well. So it keeps the you know everything dry, wow. which is really nice. Um, we have our uh, here as you go down, you see this big uh, touchscreen. Right. This is our um, uh, firefighting system. So we have sensors in every single room. Just be uh, you know on top of your head, you can see oh there's right. a sensor. Yeah. So on the engine room, and this is a smoke sensor heat sensor. Uh, it also shows the heat difference. Rate so if, of rise. Rate of rise. Yeah. So sometimes we actually, Erica is cooking, she opens the <laughs> oven and the kitchen <laughs> one goes off. Beep, beep, beep. She says, it's fine. It's me. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really nice. And, um, and then we come down here to the... Okay, so we're moving aft below the companionway. Yeah. So we're going yeah. aft. I'll show you first uh, all the way aft. Sure. Um, so here we have two cabins, one in port, one in uh, starboard. And this is my mom's cabin. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's basically uh, three beds. You can actually the the there's a bunk bed, and then there's another bed on the side, and the two bottom beds you can actually unite them with a piece of wood, and and, make a big. and you can make a basically a double bed. Right. And then um, on the other side is the same. This so this was my parents' room, and the other side is Erica. In my room mm-hmm. uh so that's our corner and it's actually it, it, it's very convenient because i can be lying down on the bed and i can see the navigation table i can see the monitor uh, the, the multi function screen right. so right. i can actually see everything from, from there your bunk from my <laughs> bunk. yeah so <laughs> if the boat's an anchor in a dangerous place i put the alarm you know right uh dragon alarm and I, I can actually look and then we have two heads here on the on the stern mm-hmm. the boat ha- that we don't have a suite uh because we build the boat uh thinking for expedition so everybody mm-hmm. shares so it's not like you have you know your room right suite, so people share so here we decided for this expedition we have the boys room and the girls room on in, in another side right. so they're separate uh and then we have the shower in each side as well um then going a little bit uh, further forward we have here two other cabins mm-hmm. uh so this is where the filming crew are at the moment uh, so the filming crew we have uh, two people that, that actually do all the filming. There's a film director, and uh, who, who's Alex? He does all the basically all the directing and, and uh, for for the filming. And then Kahmina, she's the camera assistant, second camera, and also flies the drone. She's a great oh, wow. drone pilot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then on the other s- uh, side, we have uh, uh, Rod, who's uh, he's a social media. So he's the one who you know is doing all the part of social mm. media and uh, getting the social media. Basically, every day updated. Right. And another feature that we have on the boat that we really liked, and this came an idea from our previous boat, Mm -hmm. is each cabin has their own uh, sink. Right. So, you know, you don't have to go occupy the laboratory if you want to brush your teeth. Just to brush it, yeah, yeah, sure. It becomes very, uh, very nice, very convenient. Here, where we actually stepping on this F section, yep. this is where we have I all should know, we're moving forward again. We're yeah. moving forward, yeah. yeah. So we're here, I would say we're um, uh, one third uh, on the, the, s- the back of the boat. Yep. And on this part here, we have all the tanks. We have six stainless steel tanks. Mm-hmm. They are about 120 um, liter each. Uh, and these tanks is where we do all our water treatment. Mm-hmm. So we're really proud of this. We have a, a water treatment system that, before it used to be, um, it was a three-way system. It's uh, MSD type two. Mm-hmm. And we have, so we have uh, aerobic system. We have air injected in the first two tanks. And then they go breaking up, you know, the particles until it arrives on the last tank, stage by stage. And on the last tank, before you discard, you have to eliminate the bacteria, the pathogen. You have Mm -hmm. to kill the pathogen. So a lot of people use chlorine, which we didn't want to do that. They have the chlorine tablets. We didn't want to do that because for the environment is terrible. Mm. Uh, We had ozone before, but it's really complicated with all the hoses and the pipes. They have to be silicone and they're very corrosive. And now we have, um, which we are really proud, is the ultraviolet. So we have a cylinder with three ultraviolet lights. Mm -hmm. There's a crystal glass that protects them. Uh, So the water gets, you know, uh, there's a circulating pump. And once, once just is enough to kill 99% of the bacteria. We actually circulate more than 20 times before it's discarded. So we're really happy with the system. Uh, And, of course, the way the kills the bacteria is in, you know, in contact with the ultraviolet violet light. Mm. And of course, the water is a little bit murky, so sometimes start you start getting a little bit of uh, dirt on the crystal glass. So once a day, there's an automatic uh, cleaning um, silicone uh, sleeve that mm-hmm. goes from the front to the back, and it cleans the crystal glass, wow. the three crystal glass. It's really incredible. So, really happy Sounds with better that. than most
1: municipal systems. Yes, <laughs>
2: exactly. Uh, and then here, this equipment that you see here, which we, we, we pass the two cabins on the aft. Mm. We're just next to the engine room, and there's this… Um, <laughs> meditation ha- room. Yeah, the meditation room. We, d- we do have our, our washer and dryer. Oh, yeah. Uh, that helps a lot, especially in places where it's very humid and mm. cold. Uh, and this here is something that is really nice. It was one of the projects that we did here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the uh, Rosalia Project. Um, yep. Rachel, Rachel, and Ashley they, they did this incredible idea of uh, creating this coral ball, which is you put it on your on your dryer. Yep. And so all the you know microfibers from clothes they actually st- you know stick, stick here. Stick to it. Yeah. And they. And, and what is that made out of? And it's a, it's kind of like a silicone, and you can okay. wash it and reuse it for yep. millions of times. And and the project they have is really nice. They have this. It's a very famous boat. I won't remember the name now, uh, but it was the first boat uh, that an um, America did the solo. He did the he did the world record solo around the world. Mm. Uh, and so they. It's a 65 foot uh, beautiful boat. It's called American Promise. And oh, Dodge Morgan. Yes, it, yes, yeah. it was Dodge, Dodge Morgan's Morgan. boat. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. It was Dodge Morgan's boat. So we went in Kittery and we interviewed them. Mm. We spent three days and it was incredible. And their project is it's amazing because they take people out sailing mm-hmm. and they sort of do like a CFI of the oceans, you know. And wow. they they get all these microfibers and then they go with ultraviolet light and they educate people. So it was really incredible. And this is something that we do. We try to find different projects that people are doing that are really amazing in different places. Right. Um, so yeah. So this here, right? What do wh- you see? This that looks like a it looks like a fridge. This is actually our compacting machine. Yep. So we are able to compact up to 80 percent the volume of the trash. Wow. And this this we installed on uh, just as the boat was being built, and I always joke. If I ever have to build the boat again, I would first build this, you know, <laughs> I'll put this and build the boat around it. Wow. Because it's, I mean, we always on the boat, you know, how hard it is to deal with trash. Mm. Uh, so we found this solution. Uh, we set, we have a recycling station up in the, in the bow in the front mm-hmm. uh, where we separate the plastic, we separate the paper, and we separate the cans. And then once it's filled up, we bring it to the compacting machine. Mm. And this compacting machine is so amazing that for you to have an idea We went to Antarctica with uh, 11 people aboard in 2014. Yep. And we spent almost a month there. And we accumulated two trash bags only. Wow. So imagine we would have 16 bags. Right. Where do you store that? Where do you put that? Right. So that that was really amazing for us. Um, Yeah. And also we have a composting system for organic, Mm. which it's... I mean, a lot of people say, oh, but it's always hard to deal with the food. It's actually made our life easier mm-hmm. because it's a composting system uh, b- called Bokashi. It's a Japanese system. You keep these uh, from these plastic containers that were recycled from old oil, you know, right. uh, kitchen oil. Yeah. So they pick it up on the restaurant. It's a uh, small Brazilian company that started making them. They pick them up on the on the restaurants and then they recycle them and they are anaerobic so you put the food waste in there you close it you put a kind of a sawdust that accelerates the process mm-hmm. and you have a little tap on the bottom to take the liquid once in a while once that bucket fills up which is about five gallon bucket you leave it for a month and it turns into a compost then wow. if you're in the middle of the sea you know you can it's already composted you can uh, dump it out right. or what we like to do is always when we are somewhere we take it to a composting like here we had actually a new point uh, the initiative that they they go on houses picking up the compost yes and they actually came here with the truck and we did an interview with them oh that's great yeah so so we were introduced uh, by the uh, the uh, the initiative for uh, Clean Oceans. Clean Ocean uh, yes, Access? Yeah, yeah. So we yeah went that's to a great interview. organization. So they actually told us about it. And, and So we organized and we managed to get all our compost out. Cool. So the meditation room, which <laughs> we like to joke, uh, because it's written on the door, meditation room, and a lot of people come in and say, whoa, you have a meditation room. It's actually our engine room. Um, so with our engine room, I'm actually really happy about it, because we have a lot of space to work around. So for mm-hmm. example, on the two engines, it's not like, you know, a lot of boats is very cramped. You have actually good space, so it's easy, very easy to do your maintenance. You have the two generators as well, so which are very easy to, 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 to do the maintenance. One is actually on a track, so you can slide it forward if you need to access the back wow. of it. Uh, then we have all the hydraulic uh, installation, Parker was one of the official suppliers when we built the boat, so they did a fantastic job with the hydraulic installation. We changed a bit for this expedition, we, uh, we made our hydraulic tank a little bit smaller, uh, and it's just so efficient with hydraulic, a lot better than just being electric. Right. Uh, so, you know, a lot a lot of power as well, um, so all our lifting kills hydraulic, our dev is to put the dinghy down, mm. our platform on the back. We have. Three winches are hydraulic. Not all of them, otherwise we become too lazy. <laughs> uh, the roller furling, um, uh, the um, lifting up the anchor, I forget the name. Windless. The windless, yeah, yeah the windless hydraulic. Actually, it's a really strong hydraulic windlass uh, with the, hydro- uh, you know, being hydraulic. We have lifted up, I think, three or four times already huge anchors. Uh, there were, you know, we got, one was in the BVI recently. We were anchored and we... You know, start lifting up and it felt really heavy, like and something's coming up. And we lifted up an anchor that was probably about, I would say, 150, 200 years old. And so I you fetched th- up on e- another anchor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so we went more in the middle of the channel. So, you know, right. where people don't anchor and we managed to get everything undone. And we dove there at the RSM rms rms which is a famous ship mm-hmm. and we took pictures you know we did, did this incredible filming and we took pictures of the the anchor they have and it was exactly the same so wow. i calculated it must have been that about you know, that way about, sure yeah so here we we're going up uh we're carrying on now to the port side where we have uh there's a small table here which is really nice you have a nice view yeah but uh, now it's Kind of the media table. So, this is where usually, you know, I'll have, we have all the guys working on the media with the computers here and the mm-hmm. filming equipment. And there's a lot of storage everywhere. So, for example, all on our back cushions, you know, we have storage, yep. huge storage. Under the seats as well, we have a lot of storage. That's where we keep all our uh, foods. And then coming down here. Uh, so, we're we moving have, forward. Yeah. So, you have about two steps and you yep. come down to the last level and so this is our main table which we it's really nice you have you know you can fit probably around 12 people Mm -hmm. and we have these sliding seats that come out so you Mm. can put three more people out here in the corridor as well Um, and then you know we we like to have pictures from our previous expedition so yeah that's Patagonia and then we have all the family pictures here as well Uh, there's a picture of myself when I started our first trip Back in '84, I was seven years old. My brother was ten. And then my mom, my dad, and my other brother. Then during that trip, which was ten years, each one started staying somewhere right. along the way. And yeah, so uh, on this side, which is our um, starboard side, we have the galley. The galley is really nice. It's not on a corridor, mm-hmm. so you can you know work. Uh, Erica likes to say this is the, the best galley on any sailboat. Right. Uh, she's really proud It's the heart of the boat. Oh, natural uh, light coming down through there. Yeah, so this comes from the top of the navigation, uh, you know, where we have the main window. Sure, so we're and, forward of your nav station. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the navigation is just there and it's really nice also for the dishes there's this stainless steel kind of box that you put the things and you don't have to dry it because it drains directly ready to the sink so you don't have to dry anything you just put it mm. there mother nature does its job so gimbal stove we have our, our freezer uh, refrigerator, which was a Brazilian company as well, that partnered with us. They made a 24-volt, very low consumption, and it works really well. Our composting system stays right here. Mm-hmm. And under here, all where we're walking is where we have diesel tank. We carry uh, 1,100 uh, gallons of diesel. Mm-hmm. We have our water tank. We also carry 1,100 uh, gallons of uh of wa- or actually, a little bit less, 800 gallons of water. Mm-hmm. We do have a water maker that we produce up to 200 liters, about 80 gallons, uh, 70 gallons an hour. Uh, so we have the water maker, but we still we have a big storage tank for water in case right. something happens with the water mar- water maker. And then along where you come in on the corridor, we have all the batteries, the lithium batteries. That's mm-hmm. where we keep them. Uh, they LIFO P4s, you know, yep. the, so they're very stable, not like the, the ones from the scooters that blow up. Oh, uh, right. So, but always knock on wood. Uh, so, here we have two cabins, one in each side, uh, which is usually for guests when, mm. they, when they're coming. Um, and then we have a bulkhead. Watertight, uh, bulk watertight head. Yep. bulkhead. Watertight So, there's three because actually uh, four. You have the lazarette right on the back, mm-hmm. all the way on the back, that's um, you know, totally watertight. You have the engine room, it's totally watertight. Every intake on the boat for salt water is in the engine room. So, if something happens, something fails, that is watertight, it won't get to the rest of the boat. Right. Uh, And then this section is watertight, and then the fourth one is the anchor locker. Mm. So up here, we have also a shower on this side, um, a head on the other side, you know, so it's for these two cabins. And coming up here, which used to be a cabin with two beds, Mm. we decided to change this for this expedition. And, uh, And basically now it became our recycling center. We also keep a lot of the film equipment here. Uh, we have a freezer and, and kind of like a pantry. But the recycling center here is where we separate. Uh, we have a huge bin uh, that, you know, we can separate the three trashes. They're all separate here, which is for the oh, paper, the I plastic and the metal. I want get a picture of that. Sure. So that, well, it, with okay. it uh, open and closed, I think.
0: Beautiful. Okay.
2: And um, and right next to it, we have something that it's just incredible. We, uh, we wanted to tried to find a way to deal with glass because on the boat is always uh, you know it's always a problem with the with the right. with the glass breaking and stuff like that and and um erica she found a solution because uh, we looked at bottle crushers but most of them were actually like they would leave big chips where you actually could cut yourself mm-hmm. and she found this company called Expleco in new zealand and uh so we talked to them and you know we partnered with another company in brazil and we managed to bring the machine and as you can see it's a pretty it's big but not that big mm-hmm. and it crushes just it's just amazing you crush the bottle and it turns into sand you can actually right. put your hand inside and it's basically sand i don't know if you want to take a picture or not but yeah sure so it's a five gallon pail oh.
1: So you use uh, mostly clear bottles.
2: Yes, yes. So because one of our sponsors Corona, so it's all clear ah. bottles. So that makes it uh, easier. But you can fit up to two hundred bottles in here. Wow! Uh, and, and that's then, about a five-gallon pail, right? That's a five-gallon yeah. pail. It stays pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but afterwards, a lot of people say, "But what can you do with the sand? I mean, this—if you take it to a recycling center, it's perfect because it's already broken up. Uh, it's only one color, of course." Uh, and the last time we actually um, discarded, it. it's not that we drink that much, No. but the last time we discarded it, we were actually... Get it off your hand. No, just the <laughs> dust. There's a little bit of dust from the silica. Okay. You want to you wanna sit down? Yeah, sure. sure. Let's, uh, let's
1: retire to the moment. Yeah. I'll sit here. That's fine.
2: So, but getting back to the glass, uh, so the way we got rid of the glass the last time, a lot of people... They like it to build uh, for construction. It's really nice. Some people use it for art. Uh, but we were in um, uh, New Jersey, Institute of Technology. Mm-hmm. And there's a professor there. He's been um, studying for 35 years environment and, the you know, plastic impacts on the oceans uh, and the waterways. And he's they come up with a solution, which they mixed uh, basically sand broken up glass mm-hmm. with a crushed uh, used plastic, right, to recycle and they make a cement out of it and it's like incredible they actually have a few patents so he said oh bring your you know your sand over and i'll show you so we did a very incredible interview and yeah so would they
1: make cement blocks or just come out like a cement mixer
2: no it's says they're making cement blocks right Uh, they said for structure of building wise Mm -hmm. uh it's not strong enough but for uh, basically, you know, if you put on a patio and things like that, it's oh, more than strong. So they were doing all the tests of resistance, and mm. yeah, it was it was really incredible. So you
1: wouldn't use it a, for a foundation or anything. like yeah, that? Yeah, not for or a foundation. A
2: yeah. yeah. So for a wall, as long as it's not, you know, you're not gonna go build you right know, one, you know, huge building. Uh, they said it would be fine. So they, but they were really impressed. So yeah, it's, you know, it was incredible.
1: So what is your the it's all over the boat here it says uh the vo- boat's name is cat but it's mm. voice of the oceans and uh, i see your sponsors below it. corona is the name i recognize i think that's the only name i recognize yeah so <laughs>
2: so we have our sponsors is kayak which is the brand uh, natura they are one of the biggest uh, cosmetic company in brazil mm-hmm. but they're a cosmetic company that for since they they were born uh the environment is one of their main you know uh, focus so they are all naturally sourced, mm-hmm. uh, so they have actually a huge um, uh, factory in the Amazon where they plant. It's all plant-based, and they plant all their, you know, all their um, products that they use. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really incredible. And then we have fiber castell They are very uh, known for uh, the pencils, color pencils. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So they're a German company, very l- lot of tradition. Um, and then Dragazul, uh, which is um, uh, it's a pharmacy in Brazil. That they wanted to change the way they dealt with the plastic Mm -hmm. and the first step they took is just not giving the plastic out when people are buying things because the amount of single-use plastic Mm. i mean the numbers were ridiculous it's like so high and they said okay first thing just stop giving if people ask oh can i have a plastic bag and most people usually they just take one item and Mm. they don't need it and they did a reduction of 35% already on single use plastic which was and this we're talking about a huge chain uh, mm. like you know you see these huge chain in the US sure. so it's already big, been an a incredible change and the other one is sabespi which is uh, the uh, water treatment company in Brazil as well mm-hmm. so they do incredible um, uh, sustainability uh, projects in, uh, in in Brazil so they are the ones who are you know helping us uh, with the voice of the ocean? But of course, the uh, the project is never fully funded, so right. we always uh, searching for partners and you know through donations as well. Because it's the idea of the voice of the ocean is for um, the first part of the project is two years. Mm-hmm. So we are basically one year now into the into the expedition. We started in the in the coast of Brazil in the south a year ago we did all the coast of brazil we went in the amazon river we spent two months there it was incredible we had to deal with different things that we are we weren't used to which is big logs that come floating oh sure you know because they they just because the amazon river you have the rainy season and Mm -hmm. the dry season so when it's rainy season the river goes up eight meters so wow. that is a lot. That's like basically yeah. twenty-five, thirty feet. Yeah. And so you can actually, when we went on the rainy season, so and the river is, is constantly, the shore is constantly uh, changing. So because the river is flowing so fast, they start, you know, eroding mm. and eating up. And so most of the time, you know, every couple of days, huge trees just they fall, fall into the right ocean in. and they come.
1: Oh, okay. When you said logging, I was picturing some kind of logging expedition. No, that no. They no. were using no, as the Amazon no. for transport, but no, no. it's this is
2: fallen yeah, fallen timber. trees yeah <laughs> falling timbers and of course you have the big because over there uh that's their road right The right river. so you have a lot of boats and you gotta pay attention a lot to that to that but the the trees where where like even sometimes small log you know you mm. see it right in front they can get in the propeller because you couldn't sail there and because you know have a lot of current so it was mostly We're motoring but it was an incredible experience and uh, and then we went to the BVI to the Bahamas and then we did our uh, US part of the trip which we did uh, Miami Fort Lauderdale and then we sailed to Boston mm-hmm. uh, from Boston we went to uh, sorry New York and then through the Long Island Sound uh, and then Boston Boston to uh acadia national park oh wow nice uh, which was incredible uh and then we went down uh basically all over maine until finally we we went to kittery the last port and then we sailed down here for the boat show so now we have another one year to go until we arrive in new zealand Mm. Uh, so we go we're heading now to um to panama we're gonna pass through through mexico and then we head to panama uh then across to coco islands galapagos french polynesia all the south pacific islands right uh until eventually arriving new zealand one year from now and then we take a break for about four or five months wait for cyclone season to end Mm -hmm. and then we we carry on for another two years and after that another two years so that would be the part of asia indian ocean europe and so the idea of the voice of the ocean wasn't something that we wanted to do to say okay we're going to do two years and that's it our intention voice of the ocean that's why we we all our expeditions before, this is our fourth trip around the world, mm. used to b- always bring the name, the Sherman family. We mm-hmm. In Brazil, we are kind of known as the Jaco tour of, you know, of Brazil. Right. Uh, we did, my parents, when they did their first trip, we can talk a little bit about that later. Sure. Uh, it was uh, back in 84. They A lot of people thought they were crazy back then, uh-huh. putting three kids, you know, to live aboard and doing homeschooling on the boat. Right. Uh, and it was a 10-year trip. Wow. And so when when they arrived back in Brazil, they did afterwards another trip, and eventually, you know, we did this, uh, our last expedition. And during the last expedition is when Voice of the Ocean was born, because we stopped in a beach that uh, was covered in plastic in West Fayou. It's in the North Pacific. Mm-hmm. Nobody lives there. And that really shocked us, and we were like, well, we had seen the build of plastic pollution, but we said, man, this, in the middle of nowhere. It all accumulated it on all this accumulated, one beach. Yeah, so we did a, you know, mm. big, beach cleanup, and we took it to um, our compacting machine, compacted all the, especially single-use uh, plastic, which we saw a lot. We took it to Guam, to a recycling center. We did a video about it, ended up going viral. There were like three million views and wow. many thousand shares, and a lot of people said, oh, what are you gonna do about it? And so we said, okay, we wanna, you know, we wanna do something, and my parents said, look, we wanna start a fourth trip around the world when we go back we finish our previous expedition 2016 mm-hmm. uh, which was incredible we went to places like antarctica we went to shanghai you know and what with, boat was that on was on that? this boat oh on this boat yeah, yeah. so it was from 2014 to mm. 2016 okay. uh, that's right this was
1: built in 2012
2: 2012 yeah. yeah um and we so we decided when we went back to brazil my parents said look we want to leave a legacy you know we we want to do an, another trip but we want to see do something that will carry on forever mm-hmm. and leave a legacy. So we decided to bring the name down from the Sherman, and we came up with Voice of the Ocean. We we um, basically we gathered uh, scientists, we gathered students, we gathered uh, marine biologists, all all people from different right. fields, and saying, okay, what can we do? that is not something that has been being done already and that you know because we i mean we love green we love uh sea shepherd all these guys mm-hmm. but we wanted something that we could give voice to smaller places and bas- places where people are doing incredible projects but they can't get the voice out right. So, voice of the ocean is that is we you know we are great communicators we're not scientists or anything like that but we're great communicators so we wanted to be able to do produce videos, which we do really well, since you know our second trip around the world, we did mm. full motion uh, documentaries uh, for Nat Geo as well, uh, Brazilian television. So we wanted to be able to, through our social medias and our uh, videos, find different projects and show not only the problem of the plastic pollution we're witnessing in places we're going, mm-hmm. but also incredible solutions we're finding. Right. Uh, so that is the voice of the ocean, that's how it was born. And we like to say that we are a startup with uh, 38 years of experience, <laughs> you know, because we're just starting. How was that transition in terms of
1: recognition to go from your family's name to voice of the ocean, was that uh, you finding people f- figuring that out all right? Oh, yes, yeah. yes,
2: it, especially like back home in Brazil, it was very natural. Uh, we migrated and people you know uh, we have a monthly program and on this program called uh, Fantastico, which is Mm -hmm. prime time it's sort of like the biggest uh, you know we have like 40 million viewers It's the biggest uh, TV station in Brazil and so So you have a show a TV show so a TV show yeah so that's that's usually about three to five minutes it's once a month Mm -hmm. and it's it's on a Sunday prime time so that a lot of people you know uh, see that and then we have um, uh, another one which is every two months it's a longer program it's a 30 minutes uh it's as well it's a more of an adventure uh with a lot of um you know issues that you can tap into especially uh, plastic right. pollution and that program is watched by a lot of people it's either through tv but also you can watch it online uh it's called canal off e o f f and a lot of people watch that and now we're in the uh, fourth a uh, third episode and it has been incredible. There's a lot of people, you know, looking into that. So it was very natural, Mm. Uh, the migration, a lot of people know still, you know, the Sherman family, but the voice of the ocean is something that we, because we want something to carry on forever. So if Mm. we decide to stop, okay, after three years, something happens, you know, we won't be able, we want voice of the ocean to carry on. I don't know if I'll be the captain in two years of the, you know, of the boat. Of somebody else will carry on, but the idea is to be an initiative that carries on like all the other initiatives that that we see. um So yeah, so basically that's that's the the voice of the ocean. So we're just uh, starting now.
1: When we first met, when I came aboard, and I I think I joined in, you were already showing somebody the the engine room, and I'm listening to, and then you you talked earlier about your involvement with the build of this boat, and I thought, oh, surely he's he's got an engineering background, and then I found out you were a professional athlete you weren't an engineer but you just took all this in fact that i'm when i came back and did the second tour with my wife it was your mm-hmm. mom who showed us around and she she flew, flew her flag a little higher yeah and, uh, <laughs> mom always does yeah and uh, but she said that you worked this all out on your own and learned as you went along yeah that's pretty impressive
2: yeah well i because i did the first trip with my parents uh from 84 to 94 so that was a 10-year trip uh, so I did homeschooling. Mm-hmm. We went to school in a few places, like in Tonga, in Tahiti, in New Zealand. I went for school a whole year there because we got dismasted on our, our first trip. Um, and then when I arrived in Brazil back in 94, I went professional as a professional athlete, as a windsurfer. And my parents did their second trip from 97 to the year 2000 mm-hmm. and my brother filmed you know a full motion documentary about that and uh, and i met the boat a few times only nice places and you know i would right. meet them but i was fully focused on competing in in windsurfing i was doing the world tours so i was totally focused and on 2011 they called me and they said look we're going to do another expedition, which was our previous expedition, third expedition, but we want to build a new boat. And uh, we want to see if you want to get involved. And I had no intention of stopping. I had just uh, won my fourth title, world title, in uh, in uh, the Formula Lightweight category. Mm. And I, I was like, you know, I said, well, maybe I'll come in and I'll help. I'll, I, w- I wanted to do all the deck part and the all the sails and sure. the rigging and kind of get involved into that because i thought it would be f- fun so and i'm very curious so i do a lot of research and i ended up uh, diving into in a right. way uh that i ended up supervising together with fernando who was our electrician we supervised together and my dad uh we we had a con- uh, two containers uh, in itajaí on the shipyard they, they only build fishing boat. they had never built a sailing boat mm. a lot of people said you're never going to build a sailboat here but it, the welding was really good the guys from they they build uh, usually a uh, uh, fishing boat from steel so they were you know really good welders and then all the part of the interior this was our team we put up an incredible team and you know for for 2 years and I have a lot of headaches of course right. uh, but we managed to do everything that we we wanted to do uh, on that time frame and for me it was a learning process like like i said i was a professional athlete so a lot of things you know it it wasn't on my background like for example uh electrics mm. you know i wasn't very very good at electrics uh knew a little bit of how to change oil on the engine right but once we started the expedition and of course during the uh, construction of the boat just meeting and working with people who were you know, engineers, I learned so much. For me, yeah. I said it was uh, kind of like going to college in a super express way, uh, right. super intense because it was two years and a half. And just with the professors of uh, the the Institute of Senai that I said that we built our lifting keel, what I learned with them uh, with through CNC and machine and with Horacio Carabelli as well, he's an engineer, mm-hmm. you know, naval engineer. Just uh, with these guys, I learned so much that it, for me it was uh, like going to college. I felt right. like I was learning so much. Uh, and then eventually we started the expedition and we went to Antarctica. F- and for the, four, uh, for the first four months, we had Fernando, who was the electrician. He was aboard with us. Uh it was really good, very convenient. And then he said, "Oh, I got I got to leave now." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's the only part I still hadn't, you know, you really finished." Yeah. I hadn't really gotten into, you know, getting all the details right. because the boat is, if you look, it looks a little bit complex because there's a lot of wiring, a mm. lot of, you know, and uh but we have all the plans and I said, "Okay, take, give me a crash course." And, you know, and I started learning and I'm very curious. I'm always you can always, you know, search right. on all days on the internet, but sometimes If I get stuck there, of course, I don't know everything. So sometimes I do call my friends from university. I like to joke and say, oh, you know, I got this problem and all that. Just now I was doing an installation on our our um, alternators, so I had to call this guy, you know, and say, "Look, can you give me a hand on this? How do I do this? Uh, you know, wiring because it kind of looks a little bit complex." But yeah, it's been working out, and I've been on board now for uh, eight years on sailing vessel Cat since it went to the water. I've been as a skipper and the captain aboard and i'm i mean i love it i know every little corner the right boat, so it really feels like uh, a part of part of me so if say. you
1: ever do leave you, you're gonna need to train somebody yes
2: yes we we always say oh we're gonna get somebody to train but uh erica the helps a lot as well right. you know um with the part of the maintenance and then uh, we have all the crew as well that that help out when they're not filming they always help out as well so but yeah in the but future, it sounds
1: so custom that even a very experienced yacht captain from a a similar-sized vessel would get on board and really have to
2: yes yes work You'd,
1: to get up to speed.
2: Yeah, you would. I would. I would say you would need uh, probably a month uh, to know all the ins and outs mm. of the boat if you're an experienced captain, uh, because there's a lot of little things. And then, of course, you know, because of the, all the redundancy, you do have two generators, you do have two engines, you have two right. water pumps, you always have two. So the maintenance is always a little bit more. So I, you know, I I, I try to. Kind of do a schedule on the maintenance, but sometimes. Uh, do you uh,
1: carry a lot of spares on board?
2: Yes. When we started the expedition, uh, of course, we didn't know what kind of spares we would need, and mm-hmm. along the way, I, you know, from the from our previous expedition, I started learning of what are the things that break up the most, or you know, that you have problems right. with, and and just sometimes simple things. So yes, we do carry a lot of spare uh I have an inventory because otherwise I go crazy right. you know I say ah oh, do I have this and where did I put it is it under the bed is it yeah. under the? so I have an inventory where everything is and it makes it you know very uh practical mm. um, um but yeah sometimes you know you definitely you are somewhere in the middle of the Pacific and we had uh, sometimes a, a water maker a small part that you know kind of uh, broke and right. I had to you always do an adaptation, you know, boats are like that. Sometimes you do an tep- adaptation until, you know, just provisory, uh, provisional. So until you can get to a port and get the spare port. Uh, yeah, for, for us, I, I, like I said, I, I think uh, there's, you know, one of the most important equipment on the boat, without a doubt. Uh, the the mechanism, I think the lifting cue is really important, but mm. one of the most important, it is the water maker for us. Uh, I mean, we go sometimes in islands in the Pacific where there's, you know, basically no way of, uh, for you to, to fill up your tanks with water, with uh, potable water. And we are, you know, on, when we are on expedition, we are seven people aboard. Mm-hmm. On our previous expedition, we were eight people aboard. Uh, so water is super important. Right. And uh, we were in an island, actually, in Papua New Guinea on our previous expedition. And they were going through a drought that was the worst one they ever had. Oh, and wow. they had no more water they were actually drinking coconut water and that's all they could drink uh so we stopped there and we for three days we left our water maker on and we start producing we lift we filled all these you know Jugs, 200 yeah. liters huge containers and put it on the dinghy and took it to the beach that they had and and when we filled all their containers that could, you know, usually uh, be enough for more than three, wow. four months. And we became almost like kings, you yeah. know. So, yeah. So, the water makers, like, for example, now uh, when we were passing through Miami, I did a refit on basically a maintenance, all the water maker took all the, you know, the high pressure pump, took mm. it all apart. And then, you know, changed all the little uh, pieces. Yeah. Uh, like they have all these ceramic pieces because that's one that failed once. It had a small crack on the ceramic. So, so I changed everything. And um, so, yeah, so definitely carry a lot of spares. But sometimes I go into the boat shops, you know, and yeah. I like here. Yeah. I went there and I, I was just like, wow, you look at that. and You say, geez, I wish I could, you know, yeah. get everything because, right. but yeah, we have a limited space. But we do have a lot of spare. We're really happy with, uh, with the way so we... So you, because
1: your watermaker system is so efficient, you don't bother with a, like a rain collection. Uh, yeah, we,
2: we actually, we are now, this is one of the plans that I have is because we have one tank that is uh, it's uh, actually two tanks. It's uh, 1,700 liters each tank. And then there's a 600-liter tank for the forward, Mm -hmm. which was done for ballast. My idea is to keep the 600-liter tank uh, just for the drinking water. Mm -hmm. And that would run through the water maker. And I would have basically a switch if I want to fill the other tanks or not uh so and di- and i would have a you know just a dedicated pump to come to our tap water where we have a filter special filter mm-hmm. and and then for the other tanks i want we have a big um awning on the front when the boats anchored that we can collect water oh, okay. and my idea is that this would feed into the other two tanks where we use for showers right uh for this you know kitchen sink and all everything else and uh so this would because we don't want to use the you know, rainwater for drinking, which is right. not a very good water. It's a very heavy water, not lead water they said. So the idea is to do that. I still haven't got around to it, but I want to, you know, probably uh, in the couple, next couple of months, mm. maybe in Panama, when I have some time. I want to definitely do that. So I separate the tanks and we'll be able, because you get a day like this, you yeah. know, you get a lot of rain, you fill up the tanks in no time.
1: You haven't taken any water from the docks here, have you? Uh, we did it's, a little bit. It, it's little not bit. very good. No, we, we do have <laughs> uh, big
2: filters that we put. Uh, and then bef- uh, for our drinking water, it goes through a huge filter as mm. well. Uh, So he gets everything uh, really, really well treated. How long are you staying here in Newport? So, Newport, we. Basically, we've been here almost, I think, forty over forty days since the the right. boat show. When
1: I first saw you, you were anchored uh, out next to Rose Island, yes, just yeah. south of the bridge. Exactly, yeah. we
2: anchored there a bit, and then we came here for the boat show. Then we we went and anchored out again a little bit, mm-hmm. and then we've been here in uh, Newport Yachting Center, and it's been great. They have been super helpful here, and for us because of the maintenance, it's it's and also all the filming that we're doing, it's it's been very uh very convenient and um and, but we are almost on the last week of our stay here mm-hmm. we loved Newport uh we managed to go all around here we went to jamestown we went to uh, Providence we went right. to um in between Providence here where they have the american Cuba boat uh, the, uh, that's out uh, of the water there. oh
1: yeah was it up at New England boat works yeah yes uh, uh,
2: but what's the town called uh, uh portsmouth uh portsmouth yes yeah, as portsmouth, well. yeah. so we've we've been we've been you know and we have folding bikes so we've been biking everywhere mm-hmm. and and it's been great. We're we loving it, but we're we seeing now that the weather's changing. Yeah. You know, winter starting getting, I mean, the daylights are getting shorter and shorter. So, our intention is to leave next week, mm-hmm. wait for a weather window, and then go to Bermuda.
1: Right. Straight to Bermuda. Yeah. Straight to
2: Bermuda, yeah. So, we we head to Bermuda. We we'll probably stay about two weeks in Bermuda. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already have a few topics of, uh, you know, of uh, films that, that we, we're going to do, shoot in uh, Bermuda and uh, for do- the documentary. And then from Bermuda we'll head to Miami, where we'll uh, pick up our sail. Hopefully, we'll be ready and waiting for us uh, by the end of the of next wow. month. Pick up our main sale and then uh, carry on to Mexico, and then from Mexico Panama, right. and, and then right. Panama onto the Pacific.
1: And have you in this last loop with the restrictions of COVID? Have you entered any problems? Encountered any problems with? barriers
2: to entry yeah so that's always a challenge right mm. uh, especially nowadays uh, before you know on the old days you used to, you never know how it was with the visas and things right. like that because you didn't have internet so uh, we used to have the seven seat cruising association yeah uh, so we used to read, read their bulletins and and it was more word-to-mouth you know from mm. people who had been there uh, and then of course with the internet everything became easier you get a lot more information uh, so it's we, we haven't had any real issues on this expedition, mm-hmm. but we did, for example, postpone our, I mean, the expedition was supposed to start doing uh, COVID. Uh, and we were actually doing our last trip to Falklands Malvinas when we went to South Georgia that I told you that we got the mm-hmm. big storm. Yeah. And on the way back, we were about to sail back to Brazil and the COVID started. And so we, st- we actually got stuck in, uh, in uh, Falklands Malvinas uh, for basically three months, because all the ports were closed. Brazil right. was closed, Uruguay. And they're really nice in Port Stanley. The port captain said, look, I talked to Custom Immigration, you can stay as long as you want. And uh, so it was great. So we stayed there, but then winter started arriving. So we left, went to Brazil. So we postponed our actually our expedition. Then finally, uh, things start, you know, clearing out. And my brother said, okay, you m- get the boat ready. So we did a seven months refit we started the expedition and when we were getting close to uh, Fernando Noronha, which is the north of Brazil, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, microenvironments, uh, you know, oh, start right. coming in. Yeah. And we were like, oh my God, what do we do now? So just actually a little bit before uh, Fortaleza. So we decided, okay, let's, you know, we had plans of going to the Amazon, but not actually sail all the way in river. Mm-hmm. So we said, okay, let's change and let's, you know, give it a bit more time to see what happens. So we went, that's why we spent two months up the Amazon River and it was incredible experience wow. and I we went to the BVI it was fine uh, you know had to do all the tests mm-hmm. and then the Bahamas as well uh, but no no real issues and then we've been seeing uh, Tonga I just heard that it opened up now oh, again okay. uh, so we've seen you know a few places that are opening I just read for the Bahamas that if you arrive after the 25th of October, you don't need to do the test anymore mm-hmm. if you have your vaccination. So it's uh, it's definitely changing a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, so, uh, but we were you know, all able to get vaccinated yes, when it hit. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. You so were we, in Georgia.
1: Uh, uh, so. In Brazil. Oh, in, in Brazil. Brazil yeah, so
2: we Brazil. were in South Georgia. We didn't get the vaccine there. But then when we went to Brazil, mm. we got vaccinated in Brazil. And I think. Um, uh port stanley in uh, uh falklands malvina i think it was one of the only towns in the world that actually didn't have a, a COVID case they had wow. on the airport on the military base but on the town itself which there's 3,000, i think 500 uh, people live there mm-hmm. there was no no case so it was pretty uh uh pretty good over there um and then um so everybody got vaccinated and so um, i think my mother is on the fourth vaccine i i had the two vaccines mm-hmm. so so it wasn't an issue of, to every once we. I had, had to my the fifth BBI. last night. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah night, so yeah. I'm now.
1: Every I, I heard one girl say she was Italian, but it was, is everyone aboard Brazilian? Yes, yeah, yeah. so
2: everybody aboard is Brazilian. My mom, um, my dad is not here at the moment. He's in in um, in Brazil. Uh, he's supposed to meet us. I think probably either in Bermuda or in the in uh, in Miami. So he actually. Went to Brazil and he had to stay there a little bit longer than he intended because my brother, who's the CEO of the Sherman Production, which basically runs uh, Voice of the Ocean right. and other, uh, and we have our short team, which is there's 10 people, 10 to 15 people working. Uh, so they are the ones who who make everything happen as well. So a lot of people see here the crew and think this is this is it, but we have a big short team back home. Uh, and my brother just went into a production of a full motion picture, uh, so he was going to be super busy, and had to. He said, "Look, I'm going to be for two months without being able to do, give a lot of attention to the voice of the ocean." So my father said, oh, I'll step in and I'll stay here at the office." Uh, so your
1: brother would have joined the boat, perhaps. Uh, uh, and he comes
2: sometimes he comes, and yeah. meets us um, in a lot of places, especially to see how the, you know, talk to the film uh, crew and mm. see how it's going, and then and. and and also we have our cfo which is João Amaral. so he's been great as well and so he came here actually to the boat show he was here uh, and he deals with all that part so but then um my so my father is in brazil with uh, João and they're looking into new partners you know to come in, mm. into the expedition and my brothers uh, i mean i haven't been able to speak to my brother for two months he's shooting actually with jean renault the oh. french actor oh and, yeah and so they're in brazil doing an incredible full motion picture about a Uh, story about this uh, penguin that washed up ashore and it's uh a I well I, I cannot say a no no yeah not spoil it no spoilers no spoilers but it's been a, a incredible so he's been super busy so my father will meet us afterwards mm. uh, so everybody of the crew is Brazilian and then Erica is Italian uh, but she speaks Portuguese fluently right she's now learning Spanish so and uh, so she speaks uh, so she's with the English as well as you as you saw right uh, but the the crew nobody's fixed it's not a fixed crew mm-hmm. I mean we we, we try to uh, to see how people get along our idea is always to do three months contract and if it doesn't work out uh, you know we change if we don't like the way it's, it's you know right. it's being produced or, or the the back the short team wants a different point of view in terms of the social media or the filming we, mm-hmm. we do change uh, so we did a, a two crew change uh, just before we left Brazil and now we've been with the crew and it's been incredible this uh, uh, Carmina has been with us uh, since the beginning, she, uh, which is a year and a half now, or just over a year. Right. Uh, she's the our drone pilot, and uh, so uh, I
1: think she was the first one I met when I stepped aboard. Yes. yes yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. About sorry.
2: That. Uh, so she she's been uh, with us for, for a while, and uh, and the other two as well, uh, Alex and and Rodrigo, they've been incredible. So everybody now feels like a real team. real good team, yeah. and yeah, it's been going along really well.
1: Well, that's fantastic. Well, you've been very, very generous with your time, oh, and thank I appreciate you. No, it. And it's I'll my uh, pleasure. Yeah. I mean, I
2: have so many stories, you know, from yeah. the previous expedition. We could s- spend hours talking here.
1: So, which was the boat that w- th- this boat didn't go to the Antarctic? Yes, this oh, it one did. did. It did. Yes, okay.
2: Yes. So, so my uh, just like a recap, really quick, is uh, the first trip we did was from eighty four to ninety four. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was on a fifty five foot or fifty two foot uh, steel uh, sailing uh, boat. Uh, that we still own it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then my parents did from 97 to the year 2000. That was the second trip, mm-hmm. uh, which was the Magellan Global Adventure, which was a trip that was trying to prove, you know, trying to see the Magellan route that, oh, he, yeah. that he sailed. So they did a documentary about that uh, and a full motion uh, um, documentary. And it was everything, my brother decided to film everything on Super 16 millimeters, oh. his incredible project. And Afterwards, we did several uh, projects in the coast of Brazil. We ended up uh, getting involved with our previous boat to find um, World War II Sunken Sub, a mm-hmm. uh, German submarine. There's 11 in the coast of Brazil, and none had ever been found. And it was a f- four-year project, and we had side you know, on the back of the boat. Right. Very deep, actually. It was an amazing project, but to make a long story short, we ended up finding it. It was incredible. Uh, the, my Father wrote a book about it, and there's a, a full motion documentary coming out pretty soon as well. And wow. the the uh, the name of the the U boat was U five thirteen, and okay. when we found it, was uh, you know, all over on the media. So it was something different from us. Sure. Uh, you know we're not explorers searching for uh, treasure in sunken ships, but uh, we did that with our previous boat, and then we built this boat mm. in 2012, 2014, did uh, the um, Orient Expedition, which was from 2014, to 2016, it was okay. two years. And then eventually we've been with this boat. And that's on the Orient Expedition is the one we went to Antarctica mm-hmm. and then sailed all the South Pacific, New Zealand, up to uh, Australia and then Papua New Guinea and then all the um, uh, Guam, um, Japan, Okinawa, mm-hmm. and then Shanghai. And then we eventually went to uh, China Sea, to the Hong Kong, Vietnam, Borneo, Indonesia, and then across the Indian Ocean to Réunion Island, Mauritius, and then South Africa, santa Helena, and Brazil. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's got quite, quite a. Have you had to deal with any s- sort
1: of sketchy ports or piracy or anything? Or you know what to avoid? I imagine. Yes, we yeah. we, d-
2: oops, sorry, we definitely try to avoid you know places nowadays. You mm. uh, actually. We have a lot of information. We try to avoid. Right. Uh, we knock on wood. We haven't had any incident on this uh, on the previous expedition. We always went to places where you know we we knew uh, it would we wouldn't have any problems. Um, and sometimes it's, it's just lack of informations, and and a lot of people sometimes get scared. For example, we know that in uh, uh, between Philippines and in, in Indonesia. There is a tradition of um, when the fishing boat, for example, is not catching any fish. They think they have a bad spirit that is giving them bad luck. So what they do is they go towards your boat at full speed. And when they're very close to your boat, they swerve off to leave the bad spirit to your boat. Ah. And, you know, so a lot of people get scared sometimes because of this thing. and And we had that happen to us. And we were like, and we knew about this. And you know and we were like wow and the boat just went through it turned at the last minute so there's a lot of things you know that we try to research and try to know the you know local tradition things like that now we went up the Amazon River and we did a lot of research because of course you know we had incidents in the Amazon River Mm. you hear about the danger Uh, but the Amazon River when you go past Santarém Uh, When you're going up to Manaus, because the Amazon, I mean, it's huge. They take ships, you know, thousands of miles, uh, you know, in inland. And uh, so there is a section where it is very dangerous. And where we stayed, uh, which is further uh, just in the entrance, it's pretty, uh, a lot safer than, you know, what people hear about Mm. it. Uh, So, but it's definitely, you know, we definitely have to research. Uh, We had, you know, uh, law enforcement, local law enforcement, to help out in places we were going and explaining and so we definitely do our homework a lot of uh, planning yeah. yeah yeah great
1: well thanks again i appreciate it oh, and I, I look forward to following your journey and i will provide links to all your resources thank you when, thank when i you. when i post the the uh the podcast when it's great. complete
2: yeah it's uh, it's it's a pleasure and uh and, you know, feel free if we can do it in a, yeah. once again in another place and yeah, another yeah. time or even remotely. Uh, sure. Yeah, it
1: would be great. So just so if people want to follow along, what's the best? What's the website?
2: Uh, the website is uh, yep. Okay. So then you have the links, all the social media is there. Right. And, uh, but, yeah, you and can... I'll provide that link as well. Great. great. Thank, Thank you, for you very much. We'll Appreciate it, Chris.
1: Thanks. Great. And that was my talk with Wilhelm Sherman of voice of the oceans. That link again is voiceoftheoceans.com. voice of the oceans is all one long bit there. And I'd also like to give a shout out to Lisa Knowles and Jocelyn Emery of the Newport international boat show for making me aware of them at the show. Uh, it's part of their effort to always bring in new perspectives and, and different programs. And uh, I might've missed it. Uh, but it was just nice that they pointed it out. And for my astute listeners, you may have noticed a little bit of a change at the beginning uh, in the introduction. The podcast is moving over to being hosted at Substack, and my address there is chrisheaton.substack.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-H-E-A-T-O-N.substack.com. I'm moving away from ACAST as their new terms and conditions just wanted to insert more ads wherever they wanted. And I don't like having them inserted in the middle of the flow of a conversation for something you or I will never buy. Uh, You can sign up to follow me on Substack, or you can just check in from time to time. I won't bombard you if you do sign up. Uh, I won't send anything senseless or share your info. By subscribing, though, you will be notified when I release a new episode or post something of interest. So I'll be hosting it there going forward and combining it with a newsletter of sorts and sharing some things worth mentioning in the boating and sailing community. As has been the case with this podcast, I will continue to feature stories and conversations with people in the boating and sailing community with fascinating backgrounds, unique perspectives, and just those making a good difference. As always, thanks for following me along.